everyone, and welcome to the Change Makers Podcast, where we chat with interesting and engaging individuals here and far about change, making change, living change in their own lives, how they've experienced unimaginable change, and innovative ways people uplift the lives of others. We chat about triumphs over tragedies, mindset matters, and how we live out our life's purpose inspirationally. So please join us to be inspired and empowered to be the change you want to see in this world. You know, we can all be change makers in our lives. Here's to the change you're about to bring forth. Kimberly Rice, Chief Changemaker at Changemakers, uh, and I am so excited to um, come to you today. We are living through a global pandemic. However, um, there is wonderful good things that are going on in the world, and people are really showing who them, they are, and we are, um, so many of us are coming together to support and uplift one another. And one of those people is our guest today, and I couldn't be more excited and to welcome my colleague and friend, Bill Dolan. Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, Kimberly, I have been so looking forward to this. I just love and appreciate you. I appreciate your work. I appreciate your spirit. So it's just a joy to be here. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. So I'm going to jump right in, and I would love for you to share with our listeners a bit about yourself and a few insights into your professional journey, which I find absolutely fascinating. Well, it's obviously gone on for a few decades, but I'll try to keep it short. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I grew up really in the television industry. I, 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 I thought I wanted to be a television reporter, but once I started college, I literally fell in love with behind the scenes. And so I was very blessed to get an internship when I was 20 years old at one of the ABC affiliates. Uh, here in the United States. And after 90 days, uh, I was hired. And uh, I literally walked into my dream job, my dream world, um, where I got to work with some of the greatest agencies, some of the greatest talent, uh, both celebrity talent, behind the scenes talent, directors, producers. Um, and it was like both a dream come true and boot camp. And so I worked there for 12 years during that time, marrying my high school sweetheart, where we uh, ended up having five beautiful children who I'm madly in love with. Uh, but there was a season when it was time for me to move on. And, and uh, I started this agency that we now uh, have, Spirit Media. And because of my television work, uh, we produce a lot of videos for corporations and nonprofits virtually all over the world. Uh, but because... Um, directing live TV and live event. It's very similar to live events. And that launched me also into the world of live events and live entertainment. And so that opened up doors for me to, you know, direct projects with the Black Eyed Peas and Gwen Stefani and uh, Maroon 5 and uh, work side by side with the President of the United States on different projects. And so it just literally exploded my world. Um, and I really thought I had it all until one day on my way to Nashville to sign a big documentary contract, um, I died. Mm. You died? How are you sitting here today? Well, 
the rest of the story goes like this. I came back, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, obviously, you know, and it's funny how, you know, we often say, oh, what's the worst could happen? You could die. And you know what? It, it may be one of the best things, if not the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, because I, I can tell you with all my heart that once you have died and come back, it changes how you live. And it blew up uh, a lot of paradigms. I mean, it blew up my spiritual paradigms, which fit in this nice, tidy little box. It blew up my business paradigms, which, you know, had some, had some work. And it blew up my personal paradigms uh, about who I am and, and some of the secret ways that I was really trying to work through proving to myself I was valuable and not realizing that I already was. And that, that, that changed me and it changed the trajectory of our company. Uh, obviously my spiritual life, my business life, but especially my marketing life, because um, most, I mean, just to be honest. I mean, most people really hire us because they want us to make them money, you know? So, and we do, we've made companies and nonprofits millions of dollars through fundraisers and through marketing projects and, you know, all those different things. Um, but realize behind the money is one of the deepest desires that every human being has. And that is to love and be loved. Yeah. And that's expressed through relationship. And so the recognition of that, I mean, you know, really piggybacking off of this pretty profound after death experience I had made me come back and think, how do I bring that into every aspect of my life. And that's the journey that I'm on today. Mm. Lifelong. Lifelong. Yes. Lifelong. Um, well, that is an absolutely incredible story. Uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, you know, it, it, to me, um, it is those life events that can absolutely transform everything about the way we live. Clearly, most people don't have to experience death, hopefully, to experience life more fully. Um, but, you know, we're, we're kind of where we are today in the COVID era, that life as we have once known it maybe no more. So Absolutely. having had experienced true physical death and now living in a global pandemic, you know, what are some lessons you bring forth from those experiences um, that you might be able to offer, you know, for those folks who, you know, maybe up to this point have been riding pretty and, you know, riding, you know, pretty easily um, and it has sh shaken everything about, you know, about the way that they look and they live their lives. Well, you know, when, you, when I talk about my physical death, uh, that's obviously what most people think, oh, that's the worst thing could happen. You know, but what we are experiencing is that people are experiencing death right now. And there's a real death that takes place if it's, you know, the death of your hopes the death of your dreams, the death of your business model, maybe the death of your finances, maybe the death of your relationships, 
Um, there's a lot of things that are so valuable and so rich and so much woven in the tapestry of our life right now that are being, feel like they're being ripped from us. And with that comes a clear death experience. And the thing that, that I would relate to how it has changed me is the idea that there's life after death. <laughs> And the same way that I could say that from a spiritual sense as to what I experienced, there's there's life after death to your dreams. You know, before you and I got on, we, we were both sharing about the fact that most of us experience failures. And we, boy, and I can tell you, you know, people look at my career or my resume or the awards or the celebrities and all these go, wow, that looks very successful. Well, guess what? There's a trail of bodies that led to these moments and a whole bunch of failures. And the thing that's exciting is each one of these failures have been more than failures. They have been building blocks to success. And, and, and uh, if I would say anything to your audience right now is that while this seems like what I had hoped for is gone, it's the recognition that maybe what you didn't know existed is about to appear. Yes. You know, <clears throat> I've written and spoken extensively in the last three months more than I have in years about, you know, uh, lemons and lemonade, half glass, half empty versus half full or flowing over in abundance. Um, of course, what the caveat is there is a tremendous amount of tragedy and suffering happening. Uh, all around us, all over the globe. And for that, we, you know, we're very reverent um, and empathetic to that struggle. However, <clears throat> I teach our clients and I am a firm believer, you know, that this, as I call it, the power of the pause. No, no time in the last hundred years has an entire planet been given a, 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 you know, a simultaneous pause to look and evaluate, you know, what are we doing here? Now, you know, today's program is not about talking about climate change, but, you know, there's some very positive things happening as a result of not, you know, so many fewer cars being on the road, but taking it down to our individual lives, you know, is, is a wonderful time for self-reflection, self-awareness, relationship renewal, business renewal. I mean, this, you know, I just did a program this past weekend is what if, stop and ask yourself, what if this time in history could be the greatest thing that has ever happened to you personally and or professionally? Of course, in Perrin, assuming that you survive <laughs> um, and the chances are you know that the probability is as sad and tragic as it is with the loss of life every single one is, so, is somebody's mother father sister brother aunt uncle whatever and we certainly are reverent towards that but um, survival now is an amazing time to reshape and and retool how we live our lives, how we do our businesses, type of relationships that we have, et cetera. Exactly. You know, when people talk about my death experience or this 
personal death that people are experiencing right now, um, I'm always reminded of the, the almost a cliche, but there's richness in this cliche of really the story of the transformation from the caterpillar to the butterfly. You know, we love putting up the butterfly, but there's something really important when you dig into the details. For example, I mean, the caterpillar phase, like a lot of us, you know, caterpillars spend the most of that season of their life simply consuming, 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 consuming. And um, in that consumption phase, you know, for some of us, we never get out of that phase. We just never get out of that phase. Right. We can con continue to consume, but there is a point and, uh, you know, not to get too philosophical here, but the idea, and I will say from my experience, I believe this in all my heart, that there really is a powerful destiny and a purpose behind every single person. And, and, and sometimes it's fearful to do that because sometimes it, it causes you to take your eyes off of what's in front of you and to look to the horizon. Look to the horizon to what those dreams are, what those hopes are, because even in the midst of crisis or a windstorm or storm, whatever you want to call it, that horizon, those dreams don't have to die. Maybe the path that we use to get there or the timing we use to get there. And in the case of the, the caterpillar, there is that season where it now goes into the cocoon. And it's almost as if many of us, if we really recognize this, are stepping into a cocoon of transformation. Um, but in there, you know, we can't just jump to, and then we became a butterfly. No, in fact, you know what goes on? What goes on in the cocoon is once they step in there, what happened, really three big things. The first thing that happens is that the digestive juices that so were a part of, of the caterpillar turn on themselves and they start consuming parts of the caterpillar that aren't necessary anymore. Mm. And that's not a pretty process. The second thing that happens is organs that were functional for the purpose of the caterpillar must be transformed to now being operational for a butterfly. So there's a, there's a destruction process, there's a change process, but then there's that really beautiful process. And that is things that never existed before start to take shape. And those are wings. Yeah. And only at the point that the things that aren't necessary are destroyed, the things that need to be transformed are transformed. And the things that need to evolve and grow emerge, then they come out of the cocoon. And for all of us, you know, this is one of those moments in history that we all have an opportunity to go through those three steps. And it's really important to give each other grace because unlike a caterpillar, they get to go under the cover of this, 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 you know, this little cocoon and it's all safe and quiet. But guess what? It's a hideous process. And we have to witness that hideous process in all of us. And that requires not only the hope of what can become, but to give each other grace as we go through the process, both for ourselves and for the people around us. Yes, I, I, that is absolutely spot on, Bill. I'm so glad that you raised that because <clears throat> part of our mission here at Changemakers 
while we are certainly forward thinking, forward focused on, um, on change, which really means transformation and creating the lives and the careers of our dreams by um, addressing the fears. You know, if we look in the mirror and there's things that we're not really content with ourselves or our lives, our world, etc., to have the courage to address those. And sometimes that means through, you know, walking through a whole lot of fear. Um, but ultimately, in my view, um, it comes down to faith. Um, and sometimes people get a little bit nervous about that or a whole lot nervous about that. You know, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. But I say to clients and, and our members at Changemakers all the time, is that until we can summon the courage um, to face our fears, it's much more difficult to exercise our faith. And I think that that's true in business every single day, all day long. Absolutely. You know, and what I encourage people is, is just recognize, if, if someone's fearful, you know, we can say, oh, be fearless. And, but, you know, we can pound our fists all we want, you know, about rising above the storm and stuff like that. But guess what? There's reasonable, um, we are in a reasonable state to say, you know what? There's a reason you can't be fearful. Um, because that idea of anticipating that something might not go the way you planned. And guess what? That's almost guaranteed. You know, so if, if fear and frustration is a product of the anticipation of something not going the way you planned or going in a harmful way, you have justifiable reasons to be fearful. But, and here's the important but, is that the idea of recognizing that it's okay to have some anxiety, but what you want to be a develop in the season is courage. Absolutely. Um, it's that courage to move forward. It's the courage to recognize the horizon, uh, to recognize that those dreams still exist, that if you believe that you are brought here on this world for, to serve a purpose, that doesn't change. Um, it's, it's really the difference between are you married to your why or are you married to your what? Ah, uh, good one. And, Go ahead. Well, and that, that kind of addresses this whole idea of pivoting. Yes. You know, we use the term pivot, like, oh, it's time to pivot. You know, I thought about our own business. Now, we really have three legs at Spirit Media. Uh, one leg is we produce a lot of brand videos for companies. So people want video marketing. That's a centerpiece because of our television background. We tell great stories. We also produce events. And, you know, I mentioned all the entertainment work that I work with, but I also do corporations and things like that. Guess what? That all went away in the live event setting. Yeah. Now, you could say that we pivoted. Um, and I would say, yes, we did pivot. We, now we do a lot of virtual events. And we also do marketing consulting a lot based upon my book, The Seven Disciplines of Relationship Marketing. But there's something that I really, and I, I prayerfully thought about with our team. Because some people, when they think about pivoting, they think about, oh, I'm changing everything. But if you think about a basketball player that pivots, there's some elements that take place. Number one is the ingredient of anticipation. Because often we pivot because 
we don't just expect something, we anticipate something. And that means we've changed our posture from flat-footed to being on the balls of our feet. We're ready to be agile. We're ready to move. We're ready to take the ball. We're ready to take a shot, whatever that is. And for that reason, that might require us to change our posture just a little bit. But that is a great pivot. But what's really important, and this is the difference between the what and the why, is that for a great basketball star to pivot, they don't leave the court. Mm -hmm. They don't even change the game. They recognize that their passion and their skill sets and their experiences often act as like a, a, a compass that helps remind them of why they're here. And it's a purpose-driven decision. So their pivot might, won't be away from their why. Their pivot will be to how I deliver my why now. Wow. How and what I might have to do. And so for us, someone look and say, oh, now you're a virtual event company. Well, no, we've always been about a communication agency that helps people tell their story and connect with people in a relevant, engaging, and meaningful way. And we've always actually, we had virtual events for a long time. It's just that it's been on the back of our menu because there wasn't high demand and only the big companies did it. Like the giant companies would hire us to come in and do like celebrity shows with Barbara Corcoran and, you know, uh, you know, all the big celebrities who would do these big business seminars. Well, guess what? Now these other organizations are coming to us. So I don't see it as a pivot as much as I see it. We've been anticipating this moment. We haven't changed the game. We've just changed maybe the play that we're doing and we're still making baskets for our clients. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's the name of the game as a, as a prosperous business owner, you know, it's our job, not only for our own enterprises, but for those for whom we provide services is to stay two steps ahead of what's happening. Now that is not to say that we all could anticipate what has been thrust upon us and that we call exactly. COVID. However, but it is, it, it is the mindful, um, you know, cautionary tale that we all have to be in tune with. And, and I'm so blown away most of the time when I talk to groups of you know, business groups, business owners, etc. Um, and I ask them, what does your clients read? And they never know. They never know what their clients read, like to keep up in what's going on in their industry. And then I'll say, well, what do you read on a daily basis? And I'm not talking John Grisham. <laughs> you know, I mean, I like John Grisham, but, you know, but I'm talking HBR or Inc or Forbes or what, I mean, how are you keeping, how are you keeping yourself relevant? Um, and they, they, the answer is always the same. They don't, which I, it blows my brain because, you know, no wonder I'm my, my eyes are where they are now is that I'm constantly reading 18, 17, 18 hours a day, you know, to stay up on what's going on and how, and, and how. I can be in service, our firm can be in service to our clients, helping them stay two steps ahead. But I want to, I want to, speaking of pivot, I want to um, do justice and ask you to please share with us the absolute, absolute juiciness 
of your book, The Seven Dis Disciplines of Relationship Marketing, because I know that our listeners are going to be fabulous and they're going to be honking on that Amazon.com to buy this book. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks so much. Um, you know, the, the book is really at its heart. It's, it's called The Seven Disciplines of Relationship Marketing, and it is rooted based upon the experience that I had after my death. And it was at that recognition that I realized that there was a lot of things in this world and companies I'd worked for that were doing great things and doing things right. But I also had the benefit to reflect and recognize that there was a lot of people that were mimicking behaviors, uh, that sometimes they did it for the wrong reasons. And sometimes, you know, I just had to say in the big picture, um, why am I here and what impact can I make with my life? And I, and I recognized that there were times that I worked from nine to five, basically, I don't want, you know, it sounds harsh, but kind of selling my soul mm -hmm. so that from five to nine, I could find a way to redeem it. Mm -hmm. And that incongruity, as I always say, incongruous mm -hmm. manner with which I think a lot of us live doesn't have to be. And so the seven disciplines were born out of me going back and looking at some of my best clients and then also look at my faith. And I, I grew up Catholic. And so I, I, you know, grew up in that kind of tradition. And so among all the, the people that I looked at, including Socrates and Plato and, and Aristotle and some of the great philosophers of the world and the business leaders like the Steve Jobs of the world and the Jeff Bezos of the world, I also looked at the revolutionaries of this world, including uh, Jesus. And I started diagramming out why these people were successful. And the thing that literally jumped off the page was not just a marketing plan. I realized that I was witnessing the template for creating a movement. Mm. And I, I got a chill. I even, I even get a chill to take when I think about it, that if we can sell stuff and we can market stuff, but how much richer could it be that your work or your life actually created a, a movement? And when I say a movement, it's something that's lasting and meaningful and leaves a legacy, not only for your family, your children, your community, but the world. Yes. And so I came away with a much bigger image of what that could be. And and the seven disciplines that really build upon each other. And really that first one, you hear me talk about it a lot on, on LinkedIn, have to do with that idea of that why. And we teach a principle called the mission manifesto. And, it's, and it consists of five elements. One is clarity about your purpose. Um, the second is going to be what missions does it take to accomplish that purpose? And that's where we break from the norm because, you know, in some of the great leaders of the world and movements, we actually see multiple missions to fulfill a purpose. And that's what we really teach is there isn't one mission. Think of it almost like a military campaign to transform a community or a country or whatever. It's that what missions do you need to do? And then the next thing is going to be about values. And the thing that's interesting, and it relates so much to marketing, when you start putting these things together, you don't only lay a foundation for your work and your life. You are defining your brand soul. And a lot of companies fall, lose their way because they aren't clear about what their brand soul is. And they find themselves chasing markets or chasing opportunities. 
And when you know your purpose and you understand the essence of your brand soul, this isn't a kind of groping the dark or chasing the next trend. It is like what you said. It's anticipating towards those things that you're uniquely positioned to make a profound difference in. Absolutely. I just, it's, it's so, it's so simplistic yet so profound um, that I know the businesses that I've worked with over almost 30 years that um, when we did, and I'm, I'm a branding specialist, um, is that when we really dig down and ask the, the uncomfortable questions of what does your organization stand for? What are its core values? What differentiates you from the next you know, business of your, in your sector, they are speechless. Oh, it, it is, it's, it's, I've, I've literally had leaders who've been in business a long time, um, like we'll produce a video and work with them to try to find this brand essence and literally sit in the office and wipe tears from their eyes mm -hmm. because they saw the truth of who they were in such a beautiful way. Um, and that's why, you know, we call them brand videos, but we call this a brand experience because it gets to your soul. And of course, the, part of that also is your vision. We teach a principle we call the puzzle box, puzzle box principle, which is how basically taking that vision and making so clear, it's like looking at the front of the puzzle box. Because in life, the world's going to throw a lot of pieces at you. And when you know what the front of the puzzle box looks like, your ability to not only gather those pieces, put them in the right place, and also reject those pieces that don't belong in your puzzle is so powerful. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, that leads then to clarity about markets and defining who those perfect markets are for your work, which leads then to the messages. And we have a thing we call the 10-digit human address that helps with clarity on markets. And then we have what we call the perfect uh, message recipe that really shows the ingredients that you pull together, that we've seen some of the greatest leaders and their pieces pull together to make their messaging right on, which is consistent of people behind movements. And then we go into the power of messengers. And I talk about um, um, methodologies, and, I, and I'll give you a little preview. One of the things that I will always be an advocate for that weaves into this is, is word of mouth. But there's two secrets in there that are often forgotten. And because uh, we throw it out as word of mouth, we kind of picture somebody whispering to somebody saying, oh, use Kimberly or use Bill or whatever. No, nah, there's two keys there. First is the, wor the term words. Uh -huh. That's a messaging because the right words are critical to make that method effective. But the other part of the equation is it has to come out of the right mouth. And when you put those two together, you literally get an exponential explosion of power in your marketing, in your promotion, your communication. And then as marketers, what we do is we take that power of the right message in the right mouth. And now our tools for marketing are about empowering the delivery of that message. It isn't about, you know, just going out there and trying to spin our wheels. It is literally creating a movement and then multiplying it and creating a vehicle to multiply it. And that's really where the seven disciplines 
really can be a transformational change for a, a solopreneur or any business, whatever size it is. You know, I absolutely love that because it, it, it forces us all or it strongly encourages us and I'm sure your clients to consider core values and what we, you and I both love to talk about is the why um, that must be at the center of all before any action can be taken, before any change can be made or any word of mouth can be shared. It's what are we talking about? How are we saying it? What's the message? Who's it coming from? And, you know, businesses in this day and age, um, they're, you know, I mean, certainly the prosperous ones are doing it and doing it well, but there, are, I would say that there are more businesses that are not doing it. And it's such as to us, it's such a simple, you know, I mean, we're not, we're not asking anybody to be Coca-Cola. I mean, you can attach yourself um, when you answer and, and are courageous enough to look in the mirror to answer those questions of the why and, the, you know, and clarify your purpose um, and you define your values and your brand soul um, and you start putting those puzzle pieces together. I mean, that is, that can be, you know, light years ahead of your next competition. If you have the courage and really the foresight to do those things. That's so true. And what breaks my heart is, is a lot of companies that are, you know, doing the best they can. Um, but often it looks like people on an Easter egg hunt with blindfolds on. <laughs> that's so true. You know, and I, I do a lot of coaching for women professionals and that's the basis of our change makers. And um, there's, I think that it's just universal and they're obviously women professionals. We have a lot of, uh, a lot of different challenges from our male counterparts. Um, but it is my prayer and my sincere prayer that this time in history, which is so unlike any that any of us have lived through, except a very, very, very few people, um, will take the opportunity, you know, to do some cocooning um, and to really take, you know, take the time to do the reflection and to ask themselves these self-reflection um, questions. So when we do emerge or re-emerge, and we will, we will re-emerge. It's just in each and every one of us has a choice of how we will re-emerge. It's not if, but how we will re-emerge. That, you know, that really, you know, we can create something even more special um, and it, we can find that when we come through the reemergence, then we can find our way to, as you described earlier, you know, that this is my time. This is my time to shine because, but for, you know, the grace um, that I have lived through this and it certainly can change our perspective and how we view ourselves in the mirror and the, the lives or the teams around us and our clients and, and what they're experiencing uh, contemporaneously, um, that it can be the greatest um, a milestone in our existence, like your physical death was for you. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's, um, you know, if I were to try to summarize my experience, um, 
I'd have to say this. I don't, and you know, I want to be sensitive to this idea of faith and spirituality, but, you know, knowing my root system and the way I was raised and what I experienced, I came away recognizing that with death also comes a resurrection. Mm, yes. And, uh, you know, for me, um, especially in a time like this, you can look at where you are and what you're experiencing and really questioning a lot. Um, but if I can be so bold, um, the reason my world changed was because for me, my experience on that plane when I closed my eyes and I my eyes rolled back in my head and my heart stopped, transferred me literally from this dimension to a dimension of eternity. Mm, that. Um, that I went to a place where everything that has happened and everything will happen has happened. And I became face to face with mm. God the, or the divine. And the thing that I recognize that just blew me away because I, you know, something I don't talk about a lot is when I grew up, I did experience both some physical and verbal abuse. And um, I, I anticipated that the day I would ever meet God, I would get an earful of how bad a job I did, mm. and how I'd failed. And sometimes, regardless of maybe you haven't been in a, a directly abusive environment, sometimes the, 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 the abuser that we have to live with is ourselves. The things we say to ourselves, um, and it can be subtle. Uh, it can be done just in an attitude, but we beat ourselves up a lot. And of course the world does a, a pretty good job too. But my encounter with the divine was that I came face to face with someone that doesn't just know us, that doesn't just love us, but is madly in love with us. Yes. You know, what a gift. <laughs> what a gift um, it is. Um, thank you so much, Bill. Thank you, thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, it is one of tremendous um, inspiration um, and resonance, transformation, resurrection um i can i can only imagine how you impact the world around you um and i'm just and so appreciative um that you have joined us here today absolute honor kimberly thanks so much for allowing me to be a part of this absolutely and thank you listeners for another episode of change makers podcast uh special cvd edition um, keep the faith, everyone. Um, hang in there, one step in front of the other. There is a brighter day coming, or in, I like to say, uh, from an old song that I learned long ago, there may be suffering in the night, but joy comes in the morning. So hang in there, everyone, and thank you so much. Until next time.